Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the third episode of Impacts Without Borders. My name is Nicole Beverlin, and I will be your host. On our last episode, we had the chance to talk to a host family, and we were able to learn a little bit about how their exchange student changed their life. On this episode, we will be talking to Iman from Pakistan. Iman completed her study abroad in high school six years ago, and since completing her study abroad, she decided to come back to the States and attend college. She recently graduated and is now living and working in San Francisco, California. She is currently impacting her community in the U.S. by working in a COVID testing lab and helping us all get through this pandemic, while at the same time teaching her friends and co-workers in the U.S. about Pakistan. I loved getting to know Aman and learning about her experiences and culture. So she is here to talk to us today about her high school study abroad in the U.S. While Aman was here, she was able to teach those around her about Pakistan and dispel some of the misconceptions Americans have. After returning home, she was able to teach her family about America and likewise dispel some of the misconceptions Pakistanis have about Americans. If you're anything like me, you probably didn't know much about Pakistani culture. I found this interview very insightful and I hope that you learn as much as I did and enjoy this episode. So stay tuned. Hi, Mom. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, Nicole. Yes. Um, so, I'm Iman Khan. Um, I'm originally from Pakistan, from a city called Lahore. I'm 23 years old, currently living in San Francisco, California. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your exchange experience? Yeah, so I was an exchange student back in 2014. It's crazy to think that it's been like uh, seven years now. (laughs) Um, And I was an exchange student in Nampa, Idaho. I um, went to Liberty Charter School, which was a small charter school of about I don't even know, maybe 200 students. And I was uh, 16 16 years old at the time. And um, I went through this program called the Kennedy Kennedy Luger uh, Youth Exchange Study Program. And that matched me to a host family in Idaho my whole family were the Jenks. They were absolutely lovely people. They had hosted exchange students, um, I think, 10 or 12 times before me. So they were pretty experienced. Um, they're a pretty experienced host family. Awesome. I didn't know that they hosted so many different exchange students. Yeah, yeah. They had like this little um map in their house and they had ticked off uh or like put stickers on all the flags of the countries that they'd had exchange students from oh really yeah but i was a first exchange student from pakistan and i think i was also the first student they'd hosted since they moved to idaho they used to live somewhere else before that oh that's cool what was your what was the coolest part about your study abroad during high school I think I really enjoyed um, some of the classes we had at school because although I'm from a big city, Lahore, when I was 10 years old, I moved to a much smaller 
rural town. So the opportunities that I was exposed to or like the extracurriculars at my school, they weren't the best. Um, there was a really heavy focus on grades, 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 grades. So when I got the opportunity to go to school in the U.S., um, I was like, you know, I want to try as many different things as I can. Um, so some of the classes that I took were drama. I also took improv. I tried my hand at Spanish. And just having the opportunity to try so many new things in such a short span of time and kind of challenge yourself so much because I was always a shy, quiet kid. And then getting thrown right into a high school drama class and then an improv class was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was kind of scary, but it was a lot of fun. That is cool. I mean, I was really shy during high school too. And so I would have never done drama or anything like that. That would have been too scary. What's the worst that can happen? I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself? Okay, um, I'm going to be gone in like a few months anyway, so who cares? That's true. That's true. But I had all of high school. I was, I had four years still. All right. Uh, what were some of your favorite American foods? Ooh. Hmm. This is so funny because everybody that I tell this to are like, you're gross. But I really loved tuna casserole. Um, my host mom would make tuna casserole and I just I just really liked it, even though I'm so used to eating um like way spicier food. Uh, and this tuna casserole was not spicy, but it was just very like it was just like very comforting. It was like really good comfort food. Um so I think that was one of my favorite things from my exchange year and then I kind of got hooked on mac and cheese as well um I had way too much mac and cheese when I was there um and then I got to try like a lot of other things that I hadn't before like tacos or like um some very American snacks like a twinkie or like a taquito um so yeah but I think tuna casserole tops my list. That is the answer I least expected. I mean, tuna casserole is good, but I just did not think that would be someone's favorite. I know, that's what I get from a lot of people. What's some of your favorite music from America or your favorite TV shows? Oh, honestly, most of the music that I listened to or listened to growing up is from America. Um, like, when I was a kid, I was kind of into, like, it's funny because I was in second and third grade, but I was into, like, listening to heavy metal and rock. And it's kind of a funny image when you think about it because I was this little, like, short little kid who, was, who liked listening to, like, Ozzy Osbourne and, like, Disturbed. So growing up, I really liked Linkin Park and that kind of music. But as I've grown up, um, my taste has evolved a bit. Um, so right now I'm really into this band called LCD Sound System. Um, they're kind of an early 2000s rock band. Um, they broke up, I think, in 2007, but they've gotten back together again. Um, 
So yeah, but during my exchange year, I think it was probably uh, a lot of Taylor Swift, um, what's that guy called, Milky Champ, just like a lot of stuff that was um, on the radio and on like the charts at the time, because that's what everyone was listening to, and I wanted to, you know, uh, fit into my new community, so I was also trying what they were listening to, and I liked a lot of it. Um, as for TV shows, it's funny because when I was, again, a young kid, um, I used to watch The Simpsons every night. I think my parents didn't realize that it was, like, a show for adults because it was cartoons. So they just kind of thought, oh, like, the kids can watch this, uh, which it was definitely not age-appropriate at the time. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Um, so why did you want to study abroad in America? Oh, uh, I just had this itch that I had to scratch. I wanted to open up my world a little bit more, especially because I had gone from living in a bigger city to a smaller town. So sometimes I felt like I was restricted, like my horizons weren't as wide as they could be. Um, so... When I found out about this opportunity that you get to go to the U.S. and live with an American family and go to a U.S. high school, I was just, I was immediately drawn to it because I wanted to experience the culture of America and not just what you see from the movies because like I said, I grew up watching a lot of American TV, but I really, I wanted to see what like America was really like because um, you can see so much in the news and it can be so off sometimes um so yeah just I wanted to travel I wanted to see what it was like to be an American kid in an American high school I wanted to see how how um the family systems might be different how my parents parented me versus how my host family might parent me um and then on the other side I was interested in kind of dispelling some of the misconceptions that um, my host community or the American people might have about my home country, Pakistan, because <laughs> there are a lot of misconceptions and what you see and hear in the news can often be biased. That's awesome. Were you nervous before coming to America? Oh, I was so nervous. <laughs> like I said, I was also, you know, kind of, a shyer, quiet kid. Um, and then it was just such a big move, you know, to go to an entirely different country um, that speaks a different language. Even though I can speak English, it's still kind of daunting. And then also it wasn't like, oh, it's going to be like a two-week trip. It was going to be 10 months. It's going to be a whole year. And... There wasn't any, like, you know, backing out of it if you didn't like it or whatever. Um, so I was definitely scared, and but it, it worked out incredibly. That's good. How did studying abroad in high school change your perspective of the world? Um, I think it just <laughs> it made me uh, more able to connect with people because... It's just like, I came from high school in Pakistan to high school in America, and I was like, oh, we 
we all kind of have the same things going on. We all kind of have the same problems. We're all worried about the same things. We're all um, amused by the same kinds of things. And it just kind of made the world seem smaller in a way and less scarier because um, it was just like, oh, these, these are kids just like me, even though we live 5,000 miles apart and we grew up in entirely different cultures. We dress differently, we eat differently, we speak differently. We're, we're all just human. Um, so initially, like I remember my first day, uh, I got introduced to the class as an exchange student and everybody was super nice and welcoming and they're really curious about where I was from, how I grew up. Um, and they were like respectfully curious for the most part. Some of the kids were like, oh, do you guys have cell phones where you're from? I'm like, yes, we have cell phones from where I'm from. Another person was like, oh, do you guys have beds in your country? And I was like, yes, we do have beds. We don't sleep on the floor. Um, so it was definitely interesting. But um, I think another part of it was like, you're a young, impressionable teenager and you go to a different culture with different values. So you also kind of start feeling this internal struggle of, um, okay, so who am I? What do I really believe in? Because even though you've been raised with certain values for, you know, the past 16 years, um, when you're all of a sudden just totally dropped into a culture with different values uh you're just exposed to so much more and you're like oh what do i do now um but it opens up your mind in the sense that you're like okay what i always grew up learning and believing is right doesn't necessarily mean that it is right or what this other culture that i'm in right now believes is right isn't necessarily right and that i can decide for myself and that you you do have the ability to change your beliefs and opinions as long as you do the research as long as you know why you're changing your beliefs and opinions and you can justify it and then also it also kind of teaches you this you know the whole idea of agree to disagree like hey you can you can be right and i can be right or more like you can believe in what you believe and I can believe in what I believe and we can still be friends. Right. That's awesome. I feel like it's kind of scary to change your beliefs a little bit, you know, cause that's what you're used to. And so I think it's really cool that you were just able to, I don't know, change your opinions and stuff like yeah, that. I think it was definitely hard because you're just like, sometimes about like you know super small things sometimes sometimes about more major um values that you might have but it's definitely like now i can say oh yeah it was great and it was a huge learning experience but i think at the time it was definitely like a bit of a struggle because you're like whoa what is right what is wrong what have i been taught all these years so it's just kind of like and you have this internal monologue yeah, definitely. So I know that a lot of students that I have talked to have had to do like a certain number of volunteer hours during their time in the U.S. Did you have to do any of that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I think 
the requirement is a 50 hours, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think, I, I believe I did 150 hours of uh, community service during my time because the idea is this host community is welcoming you, you know, there's a family that's letting you stay with them, there's a school you're going to, all your friends and their families are all welcoming you uh, into their homes and into their hearts, so you want to give back to that community. Um, so I used to um, serve food with my um, program coordinator, Louise, and her two exchange students, uh, Every every two weeks on Mondays after school, we would go to this, uh, I think it was a low-income apartment complex, and we used to serve food over there. And that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because I don't think I'd seen that side of the U.S. before because I'd always seen what you see on the movies, and then I'd seen kind of where I was living in Idaho, in Nampa. And I hadn't really seen the more of the underprivileged side of the U.S. So that was really um, eye-opening. I was like, wow, like there's people who are seriously struggling over here as well. Because when you think of America, you're like, oh, wow, what a rich country. You guys have everything. But it's obviously not like that. Um, for some people, it can be pretty rough. Um, other than that, I used to, my host parents, uh, my host grandparents were, um, he was a pastor at a church, so my host family would go every Sunday, and I would go with them, and I would help out with the kids, and I would help, help out in the nursery, and, uh, in the Sunday school, so that way I also got to know a lot of people in the church because if you're taking care of the kids and running activities uh you get the chance to interact with more people because you know their kids <laughs> are in your care um and i really enjoyed that because i loved the babies and it was just fun to do crafts and this and that with them can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you did and what you experienced after finishing your year in the U.S. and then returning back to Pakistan? Yeah, so um, high school in Pakistan, depending on which um, stream you go towards, can be four or five years. And I was in the stream, which is five years long. And I came to Idaho after finishing my third year. So when I went back, um, I still had two years of high school left because... The exchange year doesn't really count academically because, uh, you know, the schooling systems are just so different. So I went back. I still had two years of high school left, but all of my friends and classmates had moved up a grade. And I was just like, oh, I don't really want to spend another year without my friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just made the decision that I was going to finish those two years of high school in one. Um, so basically for that one year, I just uh, studied a lot. I did more community service uh, in my actual community in Pakistan. I worked on college applications um, and I tried to kind of 
pick up on some of the friendships that I left off a year ago because it gets hard to stay connected with everybody when you're 5,000 miles away and when you're like 10 hours in time difference apart. Um, so that's kind of what I was working on, but more for my experience, I think when I got back, um, for the first month or so, I was pretty, uh, I think it's pretty depressed because it's like I've just gotten situated to living in a different place, I'd made new friends, I had a life, and then all of a sudden I was picked up and thrown back into my previous life. So... Initially, when I left Pakistan, I was feeling homesick for Pakistan because that was my home. And then when I left Idaho and I went back to Pakistan, I was now starting to feel homesick for Idaho because I did consider that to be a little bit of home for me as well. Um, and I remember my parents were starting to get upset and they were like starting to regret their decision of sending me uh, on this exchange year because they're like wow she's come back and now she's just so depressed um but that's a normal part of of like the sort of culture shock and reverse culture shock you feel as an exchange student and with time and with immersing myself in more activities and schoolwork and community service I bounced back out of it and yeah it's awesome. What did your friends and your family think about your experience abroad? Oh, they were so excited. They they loved that I had the opportunity to, like, and if you think about it, it's kind of a crazy opportunity for a teenager to go on, to go somewhere else so far away on their own and live with a different family and go to a school like that so they just wanted to hear all about my experience and they wanted to know how I was perceived by Americans and how um how I perceived them what my thoughts and opinions were they wanted to know if I experienced any discrimination or racism they wanted to know how I was treated by my host community they wanted to know what the Americans wanted to know about Pakistan um so they were super supportive um, and and my friends more so wanted to know oh it's like what's cool in America what are the trends what's the music um, so it was a lot of like back and forth in the sense that I came to the U.S. to kind of educate people about Pakistan and then I'm back I was doing the same thing uh, educating my my loved ones in Pakistan about America yeah so why did you decide to come back to the States for college? Um, so yeah, when I went back to Pakistan and I finished um, high school and I was doing college apps and everything, I had applied to a few schools in Pakistan. Um, I had gotten in as well. And then my, my plan was also, I was kind of all over the place. I was like, wow, undergrad is such a time to experiment and try things so I was like applying to med school I was applying to business school I was applying to international relations engineering I was just like I want to be able to dig my claws into every opportunity and then pick what I want to do 
and I think I just had this itch at this point especially after living in Idaho for a year and then also having traveled a little bit around the US with my host family um, I just I was like wow I gotta go I have to go out into the world again and I was just like undergrad is a really good time to do all of these things because you don't have that many responsibilities you're not married you don't have a mortgage to pay you don't have kids um, so I just wanted to like go out and explore more of the world and I remember uh, when I was in uh, the US during my exchange year my host family uh, and I we took a trip to San Francisco and we were kind of driving through the city and I was looking out into the the buildings and I was like wow I'd love to live here one day and then literally a year later <laughs> I was back for college um, so yeah I, I think it was kind of just meant to be that's awesome can you tell our listeners a little bit about your college experience in the US yeah so I think like a lot of the experiences that I've had in life, this was also pretty unconventional. I went to a school called Minerva Schools at KGI. It's based in San Francisco, California. And I majored in natural sciences with a focus in um, biology and earth science. And um, the weirdest thing about my school is, or I guess one of the best things, is that during the course of your undergraduate degree, you get to travel to and live in seven different countries around the world. Um, your freshman year, you spend the entire year in San Francisco, California. Your sophomore year, you spend one semester in Seoul, South Korea, and the other semester in Hyderabad, India. In your junior year, you then go to Berlin, Germany, followed by Buenos Aires, Argentina. And in your senior year, you go to London in the UK and then Taipei in Taiwan. And then you come back to San Francisco to complete the circle and graduate. So yeah, it was, uh, um, that's, that's where I went to college. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about like what it was like living in so many different countries? Yeah, it, I mean, it was incredibly exciting and it just, I felt really blessed to have the opportunity to experience so much at such a young age and just, like, I felt like I got a deep, a deeper dive into the cultures of these places because you can go on vacation, right? You take a two week trip. You do all the fun things, all the touristy things, all the nice things. Uh, you try all the food and then you leave. But when you live in some place for a little longer, you start, I feel like, to appreciate um, and pick up more of the nuances of the culture. And you can argue that a semester is not a very long time, which it isn't. <laughs> But it's still better than, you know, a two-week vacation. Um, so I got to try so much incredible food, meet amazing people, um, get lost on so many buses and so many subway trains because I was in a new country and I couldn't read the, dis 
directions or I couldn't understand the language. Um, and I feel like all of these experiences just made me like a lot more um, independent in a lot of ways. But I think one of the downsides of that was that I felt the sense of stability that you get from, you know, a four-year undergrad program where you are living on campus or even in your own apartment, but you're living in the same area, you see the same people, um, you have your professors are always there. So you have a, a, a really um, profound sense of like stability and, and community being on a college campus for four years. I think that's what was most lacking in mine. And I think <laughs> I just got so used to change happening so fast that once I graduated and um, I was approaching like the four or five month mark or since I started a job, um, which is, you know, about a semester, I was starting to get that itch again. Oh, like, where am I going to go next? And I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere next. I'm staying here. <laughs> I'm working this job. I have an apartment. Um, so, yeah, I think now um, having graduated, it's it's um, trying to adjust to that, having that stability now. Right, definitely. So speaking of graduating, now what are you doing? So I am currently working in a COVID testing lab. Um, it's called Color Health. And before COVID, there used to be a genetics testing company. Um, you could go to your doctor and they could prescribe you a test so that you can find out whether you have certain um, mutations or certain genetic markers for uh, certain health issues like heart problems or um, certain cancer, certain types of cancer or how you might respond to certain um, medications. And I think in May, once COVID was really starting to pick up in the United States, they opened a COVID lab as well. And um, yeah, when you go to one of the many sites in San Francisco, or I think also Oakland, and you go up there and you get your nose swabbed and they put in a little, little tube, those little tubes come to our lab and we process them from A to Z. And Z is basically the little email you guys get. Oh, you are negative for SARS-CoV-2 or if you're unlucky, you're positive for SARS-CoV-2. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy to be um, working directly on the pandemic because I remember when I graduated in May, I was so stressed out. I was like, it's a global pandemic. How am I going to find a job? And funnily enough, I have a job because of the pandemic right now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. But um, what eventually the pandemic will be over. So I guess then it's figuring out, okay, what, what am I going to do now? Because um, I have these lab skills that I could, I could keep working in a lab. I could keep working in biotech. Or I could go towards grad school. Um, 
or I could go back to Pakistan. It's kind of just all these decisions that I'm leaving <laughs> off for the near future and not worrying about at the moment. Right, definitely. So that's that must feel pretty cool to be working like to end the pandemic. That's got to be awesome. I it's funny because I tell people sometimes like I I moved into this uh, apartment and my neighbors, I met them and they're like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work in a COVID testing lab. I'm like, oh, thank you so much for the work you're doing. And I was like, oh, there's no need to say that because like, yes, I am working on the pandemic, but on the other hand, it's just a job that I'm doing to make money. <laughs> um, so I think in my head, I hadn't really thought of it as like, oh, you're fighting the pandemic. In my head, I was like, oh, I'm just going to work like everybody else does um but yeah I think in some ways it is kind of cool to see the whole process of where you can go from you know just a little cotton swab in someone's nose all the way to the test result and how many steps and processes go into that because before this I was just like oh why are the tests taking so long why can't I get my results sooner but then you really start to see what are the issues, what are the bottlenecks. And I think it makes you like, it's just like a better thinker and a better problem solver getting to see the other, this other side of the process. Right, definitely. So do you think you're going to stay in the U.S. Um, for like ever? Or do you want to go back to Pakistan eventually? No, I definitely want to go back to Pakistan eventually. I love living in the U.S. I feel like it's my second home at this point. Um, but I definitely want to go back, um, perhaps once I'm a little more stable in my career, when I'm a bit older, more experienced, um, so that, you know, I can just, like, hop in and out or go wherever and, like, still be able to acquire a good job and build a career. So I definitely want to go back and just give back to my, you know, my original community because um, part of why where I am, where I am today is because, well, you know, everything I got from there, my teachers, my parents, my schooling. Um, so, yeah, I definitely want to go back and give back. Yeah. I think it's really cool that you decided to stay and live in the U.S. though. I mean, that's because I hear a lot of students and most of them, you know, they like their time in the U.S., but they want to go back home to their home country. So I think it's cool, you know, that you decided to make the U.S. your second home. Um, so a lot of our listeners probably don't know much about Pakistan. Can you tell us a little bit about the it and the culture there? Yeah, so Pakistan is a fairly young country. Um, we became, we officially became Pakistan in 1947. Before that, we were just the British subcontinent or British India. Um, because just like the US, we were a British colony. But at that point, India and Pakistan were one. And for the past, um, I think... Three, four hundred years, we were ruled by the British because, you know, they like to come over <laughs> and take over. Um, 
1947, after a lot of um, political work, demonstrations, uh, we became independent. And sadly, there was also a lot of violence because I don't really think there's a peaceful way to divide a country into a huge country into two nations. Um, but yeah, that's how Pakistan was born. It was kind of born out of the need for Muslims to have a place where they can freely practice their religion because um, pre-partition, there were some issues between the different religious communities where some were oppressing the other based on where you lived and based on who was a majority. So the idea for this was to Muslims have, for Muslims to have their own country where they can freely practice their religion without being told, no, you can't do this or no, you can't do that. Um, but then at the same time, one of the founding tenets of Pakistan was that, yes, this is a place for Muslims to freely practice their religion, but also for anyone else of any religion, any faith, to be free to be able to freely practice their religion as well because if you look at the Pakistani flag it's green and it's white and there's a crescent and a moon a crescent and a star in the middle and the green and the crescent and the star are kind of more Islamic symbols because um, Pakistan is a predominantly Muslim country and then the white strip on the side is supposed to signify um, all the minorities and how and the idea of the strip being on the flag is that they're just as important and just as valued as the Muslims of the country. So that's kind of more about the history. I think currently Pakistan is still 95% Muslims and then 5% um, minorities just because when the partition happened, uh, most of the Muslims that lived in that area moved to Pakistan and the Hindus, which was the other predominant religion, moved uh, and migrated over to India. So there was this divide that formed at that point. Um, funnily enough, English is the official language of Pakistan uh, because, again, we were a British colony. So, like, if you're going to an office or the court or whatever, your paperwork is going to be in English and there's going to be a translation provided um, in Urdu. Or like if you look at my passport, it has both English and Urdu, which is uh, my mother tongue. Um, and so I also kind of grew up learning how to speak English since I was a kid. I, my parents can speak English. They don't speak it super, super well. Um, or like at at the same level as I do, but they speak it. And so as I was growing up and I was learning the Urdu alphabet, I was also learning the English alphabet at the same time. I was learning Urdu nursery rhymes. I was also learning English nursery rhymes at the same time. So yeah, for me, the language learning kind of went hand in hand. Other than that, I would say the culture of Pakistan is some ways that I would describe it are vibrant, spicy, seasoned, 
welcoming because food is a big part of our culture and our cuisine I think of course I'm biased but I personally find it to be one of the best because it's this is really flavorful it's really seasoned I think every time I cook Pakistani food um, for my friends and family in Idaho uh, they loved it but it was always too spicy for them um, other than that, like our clothes are often really vibrant, especially for women. We like to wear bright colors um, and like a lot of flowy silhouettes because another aspect of our religion and our culture is modesty. So um, you won't really find anyone wearing mm, shorts or tank tops like really in the open, even in the summer. Instead, you'll find that women um, and men are still wearing clothes that mostly cover their body, but they're made of like um, lighter fabrics, like lighter, cooler colors, and silhouettes that kind of make the clothing feel cooler because it does get pretty hot in the summer. And then it can get pretty cold in the winters as well. Um, and then... I think some of the most important values in Pakistani culture, and I would say these are similar to the U.S. as well, because faith and belief in God is a big aspect of um, Pakistani culture. Like, religion and culture can be pretty intertwined. And I know not everyone in America is religious, obviously, but when I was living here, especially in Idaho, I did feel that faith and God and service to God were huge parts of the culture there. Um, the second would be, I think, much like the U.S., family. The like You are just expected to go above and beyond for your family. And for kids, you have an immense sense of duty to take care of your parents, especially in their old age. Um, and then just, I think the people are really hospitable and super welcoming. And especially when, <laughs> um, and you can actually see this if you like go on YouTube and look up travel vlogs from um, foreign uh, YouTubers who come to Pakistan. People will treat you like a king <laughs> or a queen if you're a foreigner and you come to our country because they just really appreciate the fact that you from all over the world you picked Pakistan to come to because not a lot of people do that because a lot of people are scared um, that it's a dangerous country or it's an unwelcoming country so yeah I feel like I've been rambling but that's some of um, the culture I can condense into a few sentences. Um, so I think a lot of Americans have a lot of misconceptions about Pakistan and you know because we only hear the news um, and what they say so can you talk about some of the misconceptions that you come across and explain why they are maybe not correct yeah definitely I think some of the misconceptions were like more harmless where people that I met thought that Pakistan is like a desert and we ride camels to school and we don't have running water um, and stuff like that. I mean, some of them were more, 
I think based off of what people have seen in the news because we did have a time in Pakistan where um, we had a lot of domestic issues, we had a lot of violence and terrorism. And this was, I guess, in the mostly in the 2000s. Um, but then um, the government, the military kept working on some of these issues. So I think a lot of people, all they saw in the news was, oh, terrorism, Pakistan. Suicide bombing, Pakistan. Women's rights abuse, Pakistan. So I think when you keep seeing these things in the news and all you see is bad, 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 then obviously you're going to associate this place with being bad and evil and unsafe. Um, but that's also because they never really show the good things in the news, right? Um, they don't show the achievements or the, the community service work that people are doing or just things that people are doing to raise other people out of poverty, to educate women and girls. So, yeah, Pakistan is not some weird, dry, desert land where everybody is covered head to toe or is blowing themselves up. It's a very diverse land not only in terms of like mountains deserts oceans lakes green brown dry um, but also in terms of the ethnic groups uh people's beliefs people's languages people's food just like you know how america it's always said america is like a melting pot america is like a salad bowl there's so many different cultures I think Pakistan can be considered the same, just on a way smaller level, because we're way smaller than the U.S. Um, but yeah, that's... When I was in the States as well, I gave this little interview for the news, and I said the same thing. It's like, majority of the people are peaceful, loving, and they have the same dreams, and goals as people in the U.S. do. They're just trying to keep their families fed, keep their families near and dear, get their kids to go to school, get a good job, be successful, um, have friends. So, yeah, and I think a lot of um, some of other misconceptions are also that women are mistreated a lot in Pakistan or in that part of the world there's definitely people who oppress women I will not deny that but I would say that also happens in other parts of the world and also happens in the U.S. and that shouldn't be what defines a country so in my experience growing up there I have had freedom from my parents to do uh, as I have wanted. They've always supported me in all of my dreams and me wanting to get educated. I mean, you can see for yourself, they let me go to Idaho when I was 16. And then when I came back and I finished high school, they let me go back to the States again. And they let me travel to all of these different places. So I feel very blessed. But then there will be girls who don't get those same opportunities, who might have to get married right after they are getting out of high school, or who might be told, oh, you, if you don't cover your head, uh, you can't go to school or just be forced to cover their head um, or do the hijab, which 
for most people, they consider it to be a choice. Just like um, drinking is not really, uh, drinking is not allowed in the Islamic religion because intoxication can lead to, you know, making poor choices, uh, straying further from God, etc., etc. But people do drink and they can make that choice for themselves. No one's going to like banish them. It's the same way for covering your head and for the hijab and the way women dress. Like, the, yes, this is encouraged from God, but then in the end, you have free will and you have the choice to make. Um, and like I said, if you can justify your choices and your beliefs, I'm totally cool with it. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I think that really is helpful to just dispel a lot of the misconceptions that Americans have. On the other end of that is also the misconceptions that Pakistanis have about America. Um, because I think, for, let's say my family, they were expecting that I would have had way more um, uncomfortable experiences in the sense of like, um, they thought people would be more racist or people would be more discriminatory. Um, or like on the lighter side of things, I remember growing up every time I would misbehave with my parents, it'd be like, oh, do you want us to be like an American family? Kids get kicked out when they're 16 years old. They have to pay rent in their own house. And I was like, <laughs> so when I came back from Idaho, I was like, you guys have been lying to me all these years. That's not how it is. Like, yes, it does happen in some families, but on like a way on a much larger scale it's it's not it's not the norm so yeah I think for me it was kind of like helping dispel these misconceptions in the U.S. and also back home in Pakistan and also for myself right definitely that's awesome can you tell us about some of the biggest differences between life in the U.S. and life in Pakistan know if this if I feel this way because Pakistan is like my home home where I grew up and lived for a majority of my life and because I also spent most of my childhood there but life over there seems slower than life in the U.S. does here it just seems kind of more fast-paced for some reason and I just I, I'm unable to explain why like it just feels like people get less of an opportunity to like rest and take a break and just sit down for like some afternoon tea or something and I feel this way now in my adult life as well because you know I go to work I come home and sometimes it feels like you can't even catch a breath before you have to go to work again the next day so I don't know if it felt slower in Pakistan because I was living with my family and I was at home and I had fewer responsibilities um, but I think that's one of the things but I think for me at this point I've been in the U.S. for so long that it just kind of all feels the same <laughs> but I would definitely say I have more um, independence in the U.S. because I'm working, I'm living on my own and there's just more um, facilities and infrastructure here that allows you to be more independent. Like you have buses running at all times, at least in San Francisco. You have the subway running and 
here, I mean, I think one of the many most surprising things for me was that teenagers, most teenagers in high school had cars, which is kind of unheard of in Pakistan. Like no teenager has their own car and no teenager can afford their own car. Most people will get their own car in their like late 20s when they're more established in their career. So with that, with like the subways, buses, teenagers having their own cars, it just feels like you have a lot more independence here. And then teenagers getting jobs as well, like fast food jobs or, or babysitting jobs. That's, that's also something that doesn't really happen in Pakistan. Like you won't really find that many teenagers um, working, at least those from like the upper middle class or, or the middle class. Um, so yeah, I feel like in some ways I have more freedom and independence here. But in Pakistan, I have more of like community, same language, same belief systems, and of course, my family. That's awesome. That's great. What are some of the biggest similarities between the two? Um, honestly, <laughs> sorry, honestly, just um, the people, because I feel like at, at a very basic level, we're all kind of the same. We all want the same things. We want love. We want to be able to nurture ourselves. Uh, we want to be able to take care of others, our, of our loved ones, of our families. Um, at that level, it's just, it's all the same. And like the things that you talk about, the things that you find amusing, the things you laugh at, the way you dress, those are all kind of the same in some ways like they all carry over um so yeah i would say there's probably more similar on a human level than there is different between the two places but on a more like a infrastructure and development level there is more differences right definitely i've heard that from both um students and host families that they find that they have more in common with each other just on a humanity level. Like we're all the same, you know, even though we're different, we're all the same. So it's really interesting. Um, lastly, can you talk a little bit about why you think it's important for other people to learn about cultures, different cultures? Yeah, for sure. I think it just makes you so much more open-minded and just open and receptive to other people and their experiences and I think when you're open and receptive to other people their experiences to hearing what they've been through and what they have to say it also creates kinship and empathy when you see how other people live and participate in their cultures and like we just said you're through that you're able to just pick out the things that are fundamentally human and the things that unite us and you're also able to tease out the things that are different and that make us unique so at least for me i think it's been such a valuable experience to have lived in idaho and gotten a taste of what america was like or you know one part of america 
was like and then to be able to travel to all these different places and to now be living in San Francisco um, and just I think it just makes you a richer person in this in the sense of your experiences um, and yeah I think empathy is still one of the biggest things because the more you see other people and try to put yourself in their shoes I think the, the the kinder it makes you and I think kindness is something we can all use more of. Definitely, especially in this world today. I think we could all use more kindness and compassion. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amon. I really appreciate it. I, I hope you had a great time. Oh, you're so welcome. I loved getting the opportunity to kind of revisit my exchange year, which feels so far off in the past at this point. So yeah, thank you for having me. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Impacts Without Borders. Please join us for the next episode, where I will be interviewing a host mom from Caldwell, Idaho, who hosted a boy from Germany and a girl from Ukraine. Thank you for listening to Impacts Without Borders.